Inside Out podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, uh, well, it wasn't a race, um, but uh, TLDR, uh, well, yeah, Mark Velitis ran uh, across New York State a few months ago. What? Yeah. So Mark set the first known supported FKT or fastest known time running east to west on the New York Finger Lakes Trail. It's 584 miles ish, but really uh, who's counting, you know? Um, And two of the main people that were along for the ride, and uh, let's face it, driving the bus, were uh, John Gadu and Christy Post. Christy, in addition to being an excellent runner, uh, she's run things like Muddy Sneaker, Men in Trail 50K, Many on the Jenny, Breakneck Point, Twisted Branch. Uh, she is also the recently minted Director of Marketing for the FLTC, uh, Finger Lakes Trail Conference, which is the organization that does so much to ensure the Finger Lakes Trail exists. And uh, she's really amping up their game to help everyone learn about this awesome trail that crosses the uh, near entirety of New York. Super excited for a lot of what Christy is working on. And John, well, uh, John is, uh, you'll find out. John does a lot of things. And uh, the intros are already long enough. So I'm not trying to sell him short. He just uses different words than I would use. So you should hear his, but he has a many and varied list of favorite activities on his Garmin watch. So anyway, in this episode, we're going to talk about Mark's FKT and some surprising outcomes from said adventure. First, a few items to mention, as always, got this preamble for you. Show notes bunch of show notes of relevant links in the episode. Uh, You know, you can find them right inside the podcast player. It's true. Or on the webpage, runninginsideoutpodcast.com. You can find stuff about Finger Lakes Trail Conference, Mark's uh, Instagram, uh, Buffalo Trail and Ultra Runners. And uh, there is a Finger Lakes County hike series uh, to which you can find a link. You'll hear about that in the episode. Next, that website I mentioned, runninginsideoutpodcast.com. You can find a site with all the episodes, some cool show art that you may have never seen, and uh, bios for each of the guests. And then if you read the guest bio, uh, you can click and find out all of the episodes that they were on. Like Mark was also on episode 75, which was, now that I've started, I'm afraid to stop. (laughs) So (laughs) it fits right in. Also, there is a Strava run group, Running Inside Out podcast. People join and they run and share their runs. So there's that. Keep in mind, the number one way you can always support the show is to tell a friend and help them subscribe. Thank you for listening. And with that taken care of, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. Hey, Mark. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going, bud? <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, great, great. 
he's he's nervous now of all the times. Like, oh, what's going on? All right, so uh, we're gonna do a podcast. That's what's gonna happen here. Uh, but you uh, you felt intimidated to do it alone, so you brought in some cronies. So why don't you uh, tell the listeners who you who you brought in to make sure you uh, got your story straight? Sure, I've got two folks with me here today. They both played key roles in uh, Run Across the FLT. Uh, sitting next to me is Mr. John Gadoo. John and I went to college together. He's an endurance athlete himself, uh, many marathons, Ironman, uh, some trails, got to do some more ultras though, John. Uh, and uh, John spent quite a bit of time with me to start off and then circled back several times to join back in. Uh, very, very valuable. Um, definitely my MVP crew support member. All right, and then the other one, runner-up. Runner-up, <laughs> no. Christy Post is the other person sitting here, and Christy is Director of Marketing and Communications for the Finger Lakes Trail Conference. Um, Christy and I have been out on the trail for a handful of adventures. Uh, Christy is a trail runner herself. She did Twisted Branch this year, a very big run for her. And uh, she crewed me for a couple days in the middle. Then she came out and joined me again. And then she was there at the finish. And she was uh, prominent as well. Well, there you have it. And, of course, uh they're going to say something so we understand what they uh, sound like, right? Like, So, John, why did you get involved in this uh, ridiculous fiasco that Mark cooked up? Uh, That's a fair question. Um, I think uh, this kind of just standard operating procedure with uh, with Mark is there's it's very rare that there's a, an outing or adventure that doesn't turn into something very long, something very treacherous, something... Uh, full of uh, excitement. Um, so it's, it's hard to say no to something like that. So when, when I recorded with Mark the first time, um, which was titled, Now That I've Started, I'm Afraid to Stop, which is, you know, pretty great. <laughs> um, goes along with the theme. But he was talking about ice climbing, and you're involved in that ridiculous sport with him as well, right? As of, oh, I don't know, three weeks ago? Uh, it was my, my first time. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I think it's important that folks should know this is recorded after we went ice climbing. You have survived that. Yeah, that was... Um, I recently got into uh, indoor rock climbing at the local gym and, uh, and in anticipation of, of this outing. So uh, I was prepared with uh, what Mark was going to put me through. Um, it was a great adventure. He's, he's, he's very patient and uh, he, he taught me well. Made, made, made sure I got through it uh, okay. Um, None of those uh, barfies, as they when it's a barfies, the, the screaming barfies. Uh, no, I think uh, we we had a, a pretty good weather that day. He was very fortunate. We did. He did not have the full experience. All right, all right, okay. And Christy, you got involved to make sure that he didn't screw up your precious Finger Lakes Trail. No, not really. <laughs> um, I got involved, Mark. So when I first started working um, at the Finger Lakes Trail was the beginning of 2020, and Mark was actually the first person after this little piece came out about me in the Finger Lakes Trail News um, that emailed me and said, hey, I'm glad to see the trail runners at the Finger Lakes Trail Conference and welcome. And we emailed back and forth and then we ran once that summer. um, And he mentioned kind of early on in one of our early conversations that he'd been thinking about maybe doing this. Dropped it early, huh? And I, of course, was very encouraging and supportive of that idea Mm. and made it clear very early on when you do it. 
I want to help and I want to be involved. So. All right. Well, look at this. So I jumped right in. I was ready. You paid them off or something. They're, they're <laughs> like. It was just a lot of talk back then. <laughs> but then, uh, actually, with the pandemic coming into play uh, and Western states not having entrance for a year, suddenly a window opened up. Right. So the idea here is you ran every step of the main Finger Lakes Trail, right? Correct. And the, the idea was when you first had it, was it totally going to be like supported FKT or were you like, I just want to go experience the whole thing? Um, if I were to get through it, I kind of assumed it would be the FKT just because there really had been no one that had targeted this. Uh, there had been some folks that had done it uh, backpacking, but not run and, and at the pace that, that I was hoping to do it at. Right. Okay. And the idea being that you're going to start, uh, you started east and you headed west. So you were basically running home. Uh, yeah, there were a couple of reasons I wanted to do that. Um, it, it definitely had the return to home mentality of it. Uh, when I was fresher in the eastern part of the states where the Catskills are, the bigger mountains, the, the more rugged stuff, fear to be both fresher physically and mentally not being as familiar with that part of the trail, uh, I'd be able to figure out navigational stuff a lot easier and then it would be less and less of an issue as I came home. And the other thing too was since I needed to get crew for this, uh, it'd be a lot easier to recruit crew closer to home. For later on, right. Especially not knowing when or where I would right. need them. Right. And, you know, I guess we did start in the middle. We didn't talk about your uh, your buffalo. I you're, am. You're from the, you're from the west. Yes. That's where I grew up. It's out west. Way out there. Yeah, west coast. West coast. New York. The, the east coast of Lake Erie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we don't have uh, anywhere near the trail scene that Rochester has. I'm, I'm very envious of what's out here, the number of people and Trails Rock and everything they've done. We, we just don't have that scene. And I think a lot of that has to do with the lack of trails and their proximity to the, the city of Buffalo proper itself. Uh, there's a little bit in Niagara Falls and then some of the perimeter stuff, but you've really got to go half an hour out of the city to get to decent trails. you got to go down south, Ellicottville and Allegheny-ish. Yeah, but even shy of that, you know, the yeah. Nut Ridge and the Sprague Brook, the Hunter's Creek, some yep. of the, the Conservation Trail, Branch Trail, of Finger Lakes Trail. But when Ellicottville, it's, it's the Mecca running down in that area. And then the Allegheny National Forest is mm -hmm. even above that. It's a real gem down there. Right. And so you decided to cross the entire state of New York uh, when COVID hit and just get out? Well, not when COVID hit afterwards. Once, So again, the FLT had been in the back of my mind as, oh, that'd be something cool to do someday. But I really wanted to get Western states done. And at the time, you need to have all the sequential qualifiers for that. But when the, the race was canceled the year and they rolled over the applications into the next year, um, Suddenly, I had a year where I could squeeze in a qualifier as much as I don't care for a world's end. I went down there and did it on another year just to get a qualifier in, and suddenly I had this window. And I, why not, I guess? Yeah. All right. And so the time that you did this was September of 21? Correct. I think I finished on the 15th. Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So, and it was... 
you know, you finished. So you gave away the end of the story already. Yeah, there did. you go. Let's pack it up, folks. Everybody, we're done. Uh, <laughs> but he did finish. Uh, so we'll find out more. Um, so as you're rolling through this, did you do a bunch of reconnaissance? Like, did you run every section first? Not the entire trail. The, the whole, the main branch of the FLT is depending on which source you look at and which way it's routed and if there's various landowner closures, et cetera. But the number that kicks around most commonly is 584 miles on the main branch. Uh, you, as our go-to authority, Christy, is that an accurate representation? I say 580-ish. Uh, ish. See, because it's a trail, it's definitely ish. See, she's... 584, 585. Uh, the number that's not important is that, that it took me 590. We don't have to worry about those extra six miles. Well, uh, and we'll talk about the end when you're complaining there weren't enough miles. So we'll talk about that, too. But yeah, I'm but no, I was not able to scout the entire trail prior just because there's so much of it. Mm -hmm. um, I had been working west to east, mostly sequentially, just to work on it before really thinking about tackling the whole thing. Um, but I got as far east as uh, the, the, the Triad Trail. That's part of Twisted Branch. Uh, everything prior to that, to the west, I had covered. Um, and even at the last Twisted Branch, I went the day after and, and finished that last section up. So when I got there, I was technically an end-to-ender, they called it in uh, FLT speak. All right. So that's, to me, it, it's interesting that you can say, oh, I've seen this piece and this piece and this piece. And out of 580-ish, you saw maybe 200, 300? You're almost dead on. with two, So it was about 200 sequential from the western terminus and then on top of that um christy came out with me to manatee's revenge this year and we went the day before and scouted out the eastern terminus which is now on the uh, summit of slide mountain uh, and then i had made separate trips out and scouted some pieces here and there uh not too far from syracuse casanova area and uh john how much of the finger lakes trail had you seen or was this going to be your first uh dipping your toe in uh i think uh not counting the branch trails uh largely um oh somewhere less than 10 single right. digits i'd say all right that's good so you got some good experience I got some did, exposure yes, uh, several hundred miles this summer <laughs> <laughs> he does have experience from the branch trails though he's run sega honda and then he joined me to do the tail ends to get the the Letchworth branch. Yeah, we did interlocking we did, together. Interlocking together. Um, You've been on plenty of Bristol Hills. Yeah. Uh, so he has a lot of familiarity mm -hmm. with the trail, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted him. And the big unknown was because he knew, and there certainly are nuances and difficulties with navigating the trail. Yeah. And Christy, how much of the trail have you seen? I too have seen a lot of the branch trails because I've run a lot of them. So I've run. I did many of the Jenny Bird Letchworth. Um, Twisted Branch, Bristol Hills have done the whole thing. Uh, I've done, I'm hiking right now with a friend, the Conservation Branch. Um, I've hiked a bunch, like sections, chunks of the main trail throughout, but, um, and I, I ran Interlochen as well. That's a lovely little 11 mile section of trail for anybody that just wants it. It's, it's great. Um, made a great out and back 22 miles. It was perfect. Anyway. Um, but I haven't, the, the main trail, I haven't seen large chunks of it mostly what's near here rochester 
Yeah, that's about where where I'm at as well. Because I mean, I've seen a lot of the branches, you know, but um, just the the main pieces tend not to, you know, I going point to point. You can't be. Uh, you got to get people. You got to be like, hey, I'm going here. We're gonna run there, and then we're gonna put a car there, and. I've seen some of them nearby, but definitely not out east. Within striking distance of Rochester, the main yeah. trail sections are actually pretty nice. You're mm-hmm. very fortunate um, to be able to swing south and then west and east. Yeah, and all so. the area around Ithaca is really nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Absolutely. And I'll, if I can make a Finger Lakes Trail pitch, uh, we have a county hike series that actually this year is in Tompkins County, and it moves county by county across the straight state over and over again. It's how a lot of people complete their end-to-end hikes, is they'll do the county hike series each year. But there's all different speed groups, including trail runners. So if anybody wants to run the Finger Lakes Trail in a much more reasonable way than Mark did... You can do it in the county hike series, about 12 miles or four, six hikes each summer. Nice. And I yeah. came across some of those folks, actually, on one of the days when I was running. I'm guessing that won't be the last plug for the Finger Lakes Trail. I mean, no, I won't do it too much. No, it's was, fine. That, that, I mean, this, this episode is really kind of a love letter to the Finger Lakes Trail, right? I mean... <laughs> It's Mark's. It's either a thank you or a nephew. I'm not sure which one it's going to end I really up being. Don't know which one. <laughs> and I'm sure Christy's a little bit scared about what I might say. Well, she's not here representing FLTC. She's. Oh, I hope she has that hat on too. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get. Let's get the board. Let's go up to the boardroom and get the boardroom table. Let's hammer out some deals. <laughs> Uh, this podcast not sponsored by Finger Lakes Trail Conference, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> let's just get that out of the way. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's start at the start. Um, what kind of plan did you put together for this thing? Was it like put on your shoes and go, or did you have maps and documents and diagrams and schedules and yes, food lists? All of that stuff. Um, all right, but. Planning for this is a little bit challenging because something of this magnitude just really had no idea what I could sustain. Um, and a lot of this is very remote, so there aren't necessarily a lot of options for meet-up places for accommodations or whatnot. So I took, um, based upon my availability and a best guess, just a stab that maybe I could do in 50K a day just as a starting point. Um, and then if I got bonus mileage past that each day, I, I would just consider it all bonus. Um, so that was the rough plan, was to see roughly where 50K a day put me. Most of the time when I was laying out the initial planning, it ended up being like 35-mile days when, when I was laying stuff out. To get um, to good stopping to points. To get to stopping points. Uh, the first night, John and I had a campground booked, uh, the second night, I, did we have a hotel booked or did we book it on the fly? I think that one we booked on the fly. So a lot of the accommodations ended up getting adjusted on the fly. I was prepared to camp but didn't camp a whole lot. Um, the, the big unknown was a week in. I was meeting up with my college roommate who didn't have any crew experience. Uh, he's not familiar with hiking. He's not a trail runner. So we needed uh, some nicer accommodations for him. So actually, literally in the middle of Virgil Crest 100, I had an Airbnb booked there for three days. 
So the pressure was on to get there in time for that. Oh yeah. So if it went sideways, you're you got this Airbnb booked yeah, and you're sleeping on the trail somewhere. Eight hundred dollars committed to an Airbnb yeah. that I might not have even seen. And oh. then the the day prior to that, actually, we met him and stayed at his parents' lake house, which isn't too far from the trail too. So there were four days that were kind of in concrete there. Um, so for your nights, you're you're leaving the trail and going and sleeping somewhere, and then coming back to the spot you left. Yes. For the three nights at like Greek Peak, um, mm-hmm. you stayed there for three nights. So you'd hike thirty miles, come back to that bed. You'd go back on the trail, hike thirty miles, come back to that same bed. Yeah, and believe it or not, didn't do all that bad of a job of centering it around nice. those three days. It was, it was <laughs> shocking how well it worked. All right, I did get a little bit ahead, but again, not a bad yeah. problem to have. Well, I think we're talking about one of your best stretches of the trail. So let's go back to the beginning. Yes. Let's, yeah, the beginning was a little rough. Yeah, let's not get all rosy yet. So I did read uh, some of your stories. Uh, I, I didn't ruin the ending, um, but I read the beginning parts, and you did not sound like a, a happy uh, hiker. No, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of rough trail in the Catskills. It's very That's over- a, I mean, people go to the Catskills because there's rough trail. Yes, but they're on trail. A lot of this did not represent trail. Okay. Uh, a lot of thorns, uh, a lot of overgrown stuff. Uh, the blazing could use improvement. Um, well, next time you do this, take a bucket of paint with you. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's very hilly and rugged on top of that. Uh, and then it was wet, too. Right. Uh, the very start of it, I was really looking forward to a dry day because I knew the trail is well kept going up Slide Mountain. There's uh, the second or no, I'm sorry, the longest stretch of road immediately after Slide Mountains, 13 miles of road. Uh, and then there was a lot of unknown after that. Um, so I was expecting to start off with the couple miles down slide into the road section with dry feet, but it decided to pour on me the first day immediately. So that unfortunately turned into a very common occurrence. I would just have wet feet for hours and hours and hours, no matter what I did. And at you weren't carrying supplies with you the time you were, it was going to be your 30 K or your 50 K when you saw your crew that you were going to get supplies. No, I, I was meeting up with them much more okay. frequently, uh, every couple of miles, the elevation profiles that the FLTC provides, uh, w- lay out the road intersections. So that was the easiest for most of them to reference, to figure out where to meet me next. But even then, what might be two miles on the trail could be 40 miles for these guys driving around. Yeah, I know that all too well crewing, uh, especially things like the NPT and stuff like that. You can be driving for a little while. Uh, so how was that, John? How, what kind of materials did he provide you with in the beginning, and how did you amend those materials along the way? <laughs> uh, good questions. Um, so Mark? I'm staring at uh, a binder right now, which is just filled with trail conditions, maps, topo maps, uh, the elevation profiles, descriptions of the routes. Um, and all of that came in really handy because like, like Mark said, we started uh, in the Catskills. And uh, I think while a very interesting place and very beautiful area presented probably the most challenges, largely because we didn't have cell reception. Uh, it was unfamiliar territory for both of us uh, to some degree. And uh, I think 
the roads were not as accessible um, as as we got further towards Buffalo. It became much easier uh, to get around. But I think what Mark said, where you know he might have two miles of trail and I might have forty miles to drive, that was more apparent in the Catskills. And since I'd never been, uh, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what the roads are going to be like, and definitely got got Mark's car into some places it shouldn't have been. Um, and I came back though, and he has this look, just white faced. He won't really look me in the eye. I just said, "What's wrong?" And I looked past him. The whole side of the car is absolutely covered in mud. Yeah, I think that was day three, um, which almost ended the the trip for Mark. Um, definitely had the car where it shouldn't have been. Definitely lost the car. Uh, and how did you lose the car? <laughs> this is a good story. Um, so we were using some relatively obscure mapping software uh, because we needed something that had all the GPX waypoints um, and didn't need internet connectivity, but also had like topo maps and things of that nature. So I, I forgot exactly, was that maps.me? Correct. Um, which had, uh, I think, older roads. Uh, in particular, um, I think it was day three, we had to go to Summit on S, which is a mountain in the Catskills. And I uh, followed a road uh, that maps.me told me to go up. And it, I would find out later, I think that road had been abandoned for about 20 years and become private property. Uh, and it is like your typical dirt road that goes up this terrible, terrible ledge. Uh, and uh, fortunately, Mark had you know really good tires on his car and had really, really gnarly car. Um, but I got the car as far up the mountain as I could uh, before the road became impassable. So I just got all the stuff I needed for Mark and ran up the hill, met him at the top, and uh, on the way... When John ran up the hill and met me at the top, I did not know he was going to be out there. And I pop out in the woods, and there's some guy ranting and raving, bear this, bear that. You know, He's trying to say, no bears, no bears. But I didn't know this. And he's got no shirt on, and it's 10 in the morning. I thought he was drinking or something out there. No, just John. It was a a hard run all uphill. Um, But regardless... uh, it's easy to get to the top of a mountain because you just keep going up. Uh, but if you want to come down to a very specific spot on the mountain, you have to know where you're going. And that specific spot is where I had to leave Mark's car, and it was a, a little challenging to find. Um, but it occurred, I didn't know this until now. It, it occurred I, I to was me, having a feeling that this was new to you. Yeah, if if I didn't get that car down, um, and there was, I think, uh, a, a, there was a high probability that that car wasn't going to get back on, on the road. And no cell reception. There'd be no tow truck. There'd be no help coming. Uh, and that'd be the end of March day for until we could get that car fixed. Um, regardless, uh, everything worked out, but that was like a, a wake up call where I had to start paying attention to the elevation profiles and look at the top of maps to understand where I could make it um, and, and learn pretty easily if a, if a road on the map is DEC truck road uh, or something hill. Um, th- those were the... Those are the, the routes we tried to avoid. Yeah, so. old DEC hill you yes. don't want to be on. <laughs> yeah. um, and they did get easier as we got uh, further uh, away from the Catskills. Um, there's there's a lot of gnarly roads up there, and I think uh, you have to either be really brave, stupid, or both to to take a car up there. John definitely had stupid down there. <laughs> Sounds like he had brave, too. He signed up for 15 days out in the bush so with you. So he had my car. We drove out there together, and, and then I ran across the state, and he drove back, and he wasn't joining me the whole time i didn't know how i was going to see my car again <laughs> it worked out but that was a big unknown yeah there's probably still something under the seat <laughs> so you know christy i'm interested as the 
uh, director of marketing for FLTC. Is that how you sell the eastern end of the trail? Like, come come for the woods, lose your car, stay for the rest of your life? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the adventurous portion of the trail. We actually, like, we're, we're advertising a, a work day. Or try, we've been trying to plan a cup for a couple years a work day out in the Catskills, and we're sort of promoting it as come, you know, it's for the tough people. Come train in some rugged, learn how to tra- maintain trail in rugged areas and yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Right. I mean, it's the Catskills, it's the right? Catskills. Well, Christy went out for Manitou's too. We saw three bears the trip. That was exciting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe the bears should carry some hacksaws with them. You know, put a hacksaw on a bear, you get some work done. <laughs> so, yeah, I, when I was reading your stuff, uh, at least the beginning, you weren't talking so much about like the pretty woods and the wildflowers and all that. You're mostly talking about rain and bad trail. Yes. So two, three days in, are you thinking, you know what? <laughs> well, two, three days in was, it was a little scary. There was so much of the unknown ahead. Uh, not only was the trail uh, a little more rugged and unkept, um, but I had two navigational issues early on. Uh, every time I was hoping to get a little bit ahead on mileage, I, I, I couldn't. And then on top of that, I started to realize that the elevation profiles, uh, the numbers weren't adding up there. And there was way more climbing every single day than I anticipated. I thought I'd have six to 7,000 feet of climbing each day early on and it would taper off. It never really tapered off. No. So yes, I was I was a little worried early on. Absolutely. Did you have those times where like you're like, you know what, just wasting John's time here. Let's just that never bothers me. <laughs> if, if I can just jump in, um, I, I, <laughs> I've I've also read the same thing, um, and I, I think what what Mark didn't capture is almost every time. I saw him or we wrapped up a day. Um, he'd be like, oh, man, I just saw the most amazing thing. And he'd be like, you know, once I leave you, you need to take take a, a walk. It's like a quarter mile up there and see this amazing thing. Um, yeah. So there, there was a lot of beauty on the trail. And I, I wish those moments could have been captured. But th- those are kind of moments that you just can't capture. Um, yeah. It's easier to, to capture sometimes the the rain and, and, yeah. and the stuff. And there but. was a lot of suffering going on, too. And, and it, you tend to wallow in that. Um, yeah, Early on that day three, uh, and Christy doesn't know this, but there, I started to need to talk myself into being able to continue with this. And, and one of the mantras turned out to be, there's nobody out here. Nobody cares. Tomorrow will not be any better. <laughs> Very motivational. <laughs> It was, though. It, it, I was not trying to set false expectations for Well, myself. you know, when, when you lose all hope, you have nothing else to worry about. Edward Abbey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I think that first day, Al- was it Alder Lake that you came through towards the end of the day? Yeah, so the first day was the, the first big navigational issue. Uh, it was aiming for 50K minimum. I think I had 34, 35 miles on, on the docket that day. And I rolled into the finish and... John and I are kind of staring at each other like it's 4:30. Uh, it's early. This would be stupid to stop now. So we, we just we talked about it, and eventually decided, oh, well, okay, why don't we walk to the next point 
and just take it easy and then that'll be what I started to call gravy miles just anything bonus after that so John and I said farewell to each other and he said I'll see you at the campground well this was a real eye-opener when we realized the campground was not on the trail hmm. we were going off the script here and we didn't pay attention to that uh, so I kept going and it was it was very hilly and or mountainous I guess in that area and I started to see signs for the campground, which is wonderful. And so the numbers were decreasing on the distance to the campground. Good again. But then the numbers started increasing, and I hadn't left the trail. Nope. So math was not adding up at this point. Um, and you're like 35 miles in? Uh, yeah, I think we were a little bit over that at that point. Yeah. Uh, turns out the campground is off a spur trail or a second spur trail off of the main branch. Uh, in hindsight, that's very obvious. But on top of that, John rolled into the campground and tell him what more made us not realize this. Uh, the There's a DC campground, which um, I can't speak highly enough of. Like they, It's immaculate, it's well run. Uh, they, there's really no rowdy uh, parties going on, which was nice. But also, they, when I was talking to the, the lady uh, as we were checking in, I uh, explained, you know, Mark was running the FLT, and she's like, oh, he'll, he'll run right through here. So I, I went, and I set up the tents, and I'm waiting, and it, it got darker and darker, and I think it was probably about 7.30 or so, and I was like, oh, I got to go find Mark. So I jumped in the car, and I started driving to the uh, the road intersections between where I left him at Alder Lake and here, and I couldn't find him. Um, so finally I gave up, and I was like, well, he'll find his way. He's an adult. So I went back to the campground, and uh, I think shortly thereafter, Mark Mark came down. and It was pitch black yeah, by the time we met up. It was the long first day for Mark. And uh, I had no headlamp at that point. So the, so, was stupid. so you thought the campground was on the trail. Yes. The campground also thought it was on the trail. We were all in agreement there. Yeah. yeah was, Except for the trail. The trail didn't agree. two miles off the campground, yeah, so. off the trail. Uh-huh. But a like, couple extra miles. Yeah. Gravy miles. Bonus miles. We're not gravy miles. (laughs) So there there was, uh, as I recall, a a significant climb that you needlessly went over twice. Um, Eh. But I don't want to say it was a training for later on in the run, right? But we we did. It was an eye opener, and we learned a valuable lesson very quickly. Yeah, so that that was a navigational mistake we did not make again for the rest of the trip. Um, I made others. Actually, I really only made one other significant one. There was some tiny turns and whatnot, but they were minutiae compared to this. Second day is when I made the the other one um, up a big climb, and I finally started seeing some FLT markers. Um, I had had the GPX files for the entire trail for each map. The Finger Lakes Trail Conference breaks the trail into 34 maps. I had all 34 of those loaded onto my watch, but where the trail turned is right where one of the GPX tracks ended. So I brought up the next one, and uh, I had to manually manipulate these. Just assumed I screwed up because the watch wasn't following me following the trail. But I had a backup plan for this. The FLTC also offers uh, geospatial aware PDF files that are, they also print them out on maps. And I had that in uh, Venza on the phone. Little did I realize I was following a trail on the map. It just wasn't the FLT. It was a non-FLT 
trail that was displayed on there. On an FLT map? Yes. Of all things. Well, and it's there's some inconsistency, and I'm not sure where this will be going. Uh, so I maintain a section of the trail out uh, Little Rock City area, and some of the map adjustments for that I had been involved in, and we pulled off the non-FLT uh, trails off that map. So in my head, I thought that applied to all of them. And so thinking that I was still on it, and knowing that I was on a trail on the map, I just assumed it was the FLT. Um, so after about three miles off the main branch, which was down, up, over, down, uh, and probably a thousand feet of climbing the one way, I finally got Spidey Sense kicking in and said, this is not right. Well, I mean, let's talk about this here because three miles. I times two. I know people who've gone off course three miles in a fifty k, or in a hundred k three miles off course. That's a big deal, right? But this is five hundred miles, and it's only three little miles off course. It's like not less than a half of a percentage of the overall total. That's a very positive spin. <laughs> I was not looking at it that way that day. As a math miner, I can say uh, three miles off trail is roughly 10% of a 50K. And, you got it. And dude. then you got to come back the other way. So it ends up being about 20%. Of a 50K, right. But of a 500 miler, it's well, yes, it was, little. It was not at the pace that It's 1% at the most. It's 10% of his day though. 50K that day. I remember when I contacted Chris, I said I would bet that John and Christy just end up making fun of me a lot of this podcast, and here it begins. No, he was only doing math. He said uh -huh. it. He's standing up for you. That was 10% of your day, uh -huh. he said. And, and to his credit, um, maybe it's because it was still early on, uh, he he wasn't throwing things when, when we finally finished the day. Uh, he was, you know, took, that, took it in stride. That happened later. <laughs> So it was difficult to communicate, though. Uh, John and I each had uh, Garmin InReach Mini uh, satellite communicators. Uh, and after this, we started to establish some protocol on how to use them, but they, they're not... <laughs> this was their pilot <laughs> test run? We've, we've mocked with them before, and John has helped uh, um, his sister-in-law, Katie, out with them, too. So we both have familiarity with them. But when you have two of them in play and you don't have any cell signal, there's the lag of the first one transmitting. It may not go out right away. You could have 15-minute delay in that getting out. And then the other one has to receive. So that could be another 15 minutes. You could have half an hour gaps between one message getting from one person to the other. And then if you want to respond, you know, double that. Hey, we might have a, a PSA about this. Um we did look into the technical details and just for anybody who, who is using InReach to try and keep uh, real-time communications, uh, be aware it's extremely sensitive to line of sight. Um, but also when you first turn on InReach, it'll look for messages and it'll do that for a little while, polling like every five, 10 minutes. Uh, and then it defaults down to an hour. So uh, if Mark sends one like right after my hour refresh, I won't see it for another hour unless I manually refresh. So keep that in mind if you are using it for uh, more time sensitive um, operations. Christy, I'm hearing uh, that there's a need for more phone booths on the FLT. 
That's a good suggestion. That's what I'm... Do you know about... There is a very iconic phone booth, actually, on the FLT. There used to be more iconic phone booths. still one in Bowman Lake State Park, Mm -hmm. and people love to take photos of this thing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the icons for the trail. There is a uh, phone booth down at Cummings Nature Center, like, sitting lonely on the other side of the parking lot, and I see people taking pictures of that, and I'm like, it's... It's just right, you know, but, you know, it's a phone booth, you know. So you got to scoop up all the phone booths in the state and put them at all the trail registers. I think people can just get a little lost and it's okay. (laughs) There you go. Bonus miles. Bonus miles. (laughs) Part of the joy and the pleasure of being on the FLT is you have to be well prepared and you have to be. uh, Competent. (laughs) actually since all of this mark obviously has a lot of knowledge about maps and the flt maps and he has joined now the flt's mapping team um no and i and i joke only because i know how seriously you take this stuff that's that's the only reason i joke because i do know i see the thickness of the binder you know i know how seriously you i gotta lighten it up somehow else i'll be intimidated you know yeah yeah, that second day that was that was the biggest, most worrisome navigational issue. After that, really didn't have anything worth worrying about. Uh, by the time I did get back on trail that day, I got up to the top of whatever particular mountain that was and had cell service. And John, wherever the heck he was waiting, had cell service. Uh, so I told him going to be a little late, and he uh, actually capitalized on it and ran and checked us into the hotel for that day. Um, yeah, so that is nice that you were getting good sleep each night, though. I got to imagine that that's pretty key to being able to do 50K the next day. Yeah, I was surprised, though. The first four or five days, even after those big, long days out there, I couldn't sleep well. I don't know why. Yeah. Eventually, that problem took care of itself, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to think you're all amped up, you know, like... The uh, the Airbnb in Virgil uh, ended up loving the mattress. I bought the same mattress. I went and looked it up because it was so <laughs> awesome. And does it? Do you have to run fifty k to be able to sleep on it every day? <laughs> uh, I, I did have some pretty rough accommodations, though. Hunt's uh, parents have a lake house on Seneca Lake. Boy, that was terrible to stay at. Oh, I got so terrible. He had to stay twice. Yes, I got actually, those were the two nights that Christy uh, came out and crewed too. So she was in heaven. I had like the easiest chunk that I crewed for. Yes, we had this love. Yeah, the only place to stay with an outdoor shower. <laughs> an outdoor shower on Seneca shower. Lake sounds. That was great. one of two lake houses for the the run. My college roommate's parents had one on a small lake outside too, but there was some. There was a hotel. Or in Bath, that was a little scary. It had a great name though, it's like the Americana Hotel or something. I, like that. It looked like something like uh, out of a Stephen King movie. All right, I, I like Stephen King. Where they kill people? Oh, oh, the killing parts. Yeah, not, right. that, not the sleepy town where just it's haunted. But the well, actual, we, my brother and I rolled in murder shacks. We rolled into that one, and we literally got a "you aren't from here" response from people at the uh, bars. Right. That was interesting place. Bath. Bath, yeah. All right. Uh, John ended up booking 
a lot of these places for me. Even when he wasn't involved, he was remotely quarterbacking. Uh, and then there was connectivity later on in the trail. So I, he took my car to card and I didn't know where I was staying. You, you are the real MVP. <laughs> I'm just the guy like behind the curtain pulling the levers. <laughs> kind of see what happens. Uh, so, all right. So we're, we're sort of all over the timeline here, but, um, first couple days, yeah, obviously you're heading West. It's rainy. It's yucky. You get lost a little bit. Um, but then magically like you end up, uh, like you said, at Virgil, you end up on Greek peak. So how did that, how did that go? It was awesome. <laughs> So outside of the race and then maybe the populated areas of uh, Watkins Glen and uh, Little Rock City, uh, I didn't see people out there at all. If I saw a dozen people the entire trail, I'd be surprised. We got to get the word out about this trail. (laughs) Or not. It's nice like it is. Yeah, I mean, the places where the word is out, sometimes you get those overuse issues, you know. But then you get the under-maintenance issues. Why maintain a trail that nobody's going to use? So I had been uh, fairly hush-hush about this whole thing, but Ian had actually reached out to me and said, any chance you could get together a group of volunteers for Virgil? And I said, "Uh, no, but I'll probably be there that day because... (laughs) So he was one of the few people that had any inclination this was coming. But again, I wasn't sure when I was going to be running through there. It did just happen to be on the day of the race, and... I came up <coughs> very suddenly up a climb and all of a sudden I heard noise and there was taped off section and I stepped through the tape and boom, I'm in an aid station. So you ended up at the, what is the resurrection of Virgil Crest 100 this year in 20, well, last year in 2021. Race doesn't happen for six years and it happens and you decide to go abandon it. I did. And I... <laughs> took from the aid stations <laughs> that's right i had a half a pickle at the one and two oreos at the other i owe them oh man self <laughs> selfish <laughs> it all right was wonderful though <laughs> it was so nice to have people and chat with them right and you can only hang out with john by yourself so much right i yes i was running away from him most of the day now were you hanging out at the race or were you uh like living it up at the airbnb virgil Crest was the first day that I had left him. Um, the oh. day prior, we hooked up with his roommate from college, Nate, and uh, it was kind of training day for for Nate. Um, so I kind of showed him the ropes and uh, you know kind of walked him through through my day and how things go and uh, what we do, what we don't do, uh, things of that nature. So I I spent the first night at the Airbnb and then in the morning uh, I took off for a, a couple days and Mark was with Nate. Uh, so I I for better, for worse, didn't uh, dabble in that race. So that was funny. That day, uh, there was Nate's first day. And again, he's not, he was, he was pretty green, the whole crewing thing. But I rolled up to the car at one point, and the chair was out. And I went to sit down, and you could see the look of horror on his face because he knew he screwed up. And all I heard was, John said not to leave the chair out. Because even though John and the rest of my crew was very explicitly instructed to have the chair out for me, he was not putting it out on purpose because he'd know I'd sit in there. It's true. Um, I, I discovered it then. Yeah, because you know it's it's it, it's probably very uh, appealing when you're you've been on your feet for you know fifteen, twenty miles to see a chair. So if the chair wasn't there, Mark would just kind of grab water and go. And if the chair was there, then he might sit down and um, 
make me change his shoes or something. So that's not a job I want to do. I always put the chair out. Yeah. And you wanted me to fail? <laughs> I didn't. And, and who, who was it? One of your crew members put an umbrella over it. Uh, my buddy You're... Jake. Yeah, he came all the way up from Virginia to crew for me. Wow. But I felt like a slacker seeing the umbrella over the chair. <laughs> We, we, we sure are jumping all over the channel. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, do you want to do this continuously? No, I don't. I, I have you heard this podcast? <laughs> I, I did put up um, tarps and stuff when it was like super rainy. Oh, yeah. John had a lot of Hey, hey, money. you've already been called the MVP. Stop fishing for credit. I just want to, you know, I want to want to. Talk about the drying and stuff and how important the, uh, that was and what you yeah, managed to That's there. actually a good point. Um, there's a lot of logistics that we didn't necessarily know how they would play out during, during the event. Um, and Mark had... Uh, we had kind of a system of where everything was in the car and you know i think that the rule was like know where everything is make everything's within arm arm's reach um but most importantly like as a crew member yeah you see mark for five minutes every couple miles um but there's there was a lot to do um in in the downtime but for instance i think because it was so wet it was constantly trying to manage the shoes and make sure there was dry shoes uh so we did have uh like little electric heaters um so we'd have to use that uh we experimented with using heat from the engine um like big potato shoes yeah they didn't work um, wait are you trying to put the shoes on the engine like oh yeah hood, hood up and everything yeah there's, there's, there's a picture of that somewhere i yeah. think and that the best days were if you had a little bit of sun and a breeze and you could put it on a car i'd come out and it would be a yard sale and actually yeah. one of the meetups i came out and they had yard sale signs out with all my gear that's nice idea yeah that's that's training day for nate yeah i mean that uh, you know i saw i've crewed a lot of long efforts and not not 500 uh miles but there is a lot of work in between to get stuff because when when uh you're in the moment yeah you had your things organized but now you're rifling through it grabbing this and that and by the end it is all disheveled and in order to be efficient, the next time you see them, you got to put it all back together again. Exactly. You yeah. know. And then we had different cars from different crew members, so that changed between cars. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we did have, I think, by the end of the first week, like a kind of like a standard operating procedure manual that was passed around uh, to everybody that was going to be crewing. I'm um, just kind of like what the expectations were and, and, you know, make sure that like, these are important things. Oh, you had an actual manual. Yeah. I'd, I'd written one up. I don't know if you saw it, Mark. Yeah, I did a little bit and tell them about uh, adventure phone too. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I think uh, probably Christy wants to, to mention that cause she seemed to really enjoy that. I really liked the adventure phone because I did not come entirely prepared, <laughs> even though I should have. And they basically handed me the phone and said, everything's programmed in here. You just click where you have to meet him. And the GPS took me. So all I had, I just had sitting up where my phone normally is in my car. I would just click the button and go from place to place. I had a really easy section, though. Like, it was really fairly easy to navigate between checkpoint to checkpoint. So I actually got really efficient with stuff. And I was able to get to the checkpoint, get everything ready and set up, and then go run in and meet Mark and run back out. So I could get a few miles in a little bit. While yeah, I was very lucky. Christy was able to join me. She, she did the most miles on trail by far with me. Um, and not just when she was crewing either. She came back one weekend that happened to be free, and I think you did ten mile stretch 11, with me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Don't change me on a mile. Ish, ish. We all know how important a mile is to you. It's equally important <laughs> to her. I just want to point out, I didn't run a single mile with Mark. Um, I told him it's because I didn't want to like run in and miss him, like get off the trail. But the reality is, uh, 
I didn't want to be outpaced by somebody who already had like two or three hundred miles behind them. <laughs> he was running really well. That was surprising because I was in like in the middle of this whole journey, and he was cruising, like running, running. So it was yeah. I mean, I've, I've crewed Mark on uh, shorter shorter events. Um, I, I say shorter, but still like hundred miles, and um, I really don't think I've seen him as spry. Like every time I saw him, I'd, and I'd see him five, six, seven times a day. He's always coming out of the woods with a smile on his face, like just like happy, running, looks fresh. Because um, you were thing, I was, I was trying to. I made a game out of sneaking up on these guys. <laughs> but then when Christy was out there alone as a female in the middle of the woods, I said maybe that's not a great idea for her. For sneaking up on her, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a little conscious, mindful of that, but I tried to scare the crap out of John several times. There's yeah. a wonderful photo of him looking terrified too. We'll have to put that in the show notes. Okay, I think yeah. that's that photo might be out uh, on on Facebook already. Yeah, you were sleeping, I think, and he woke you up. It doesn't False. look like anyway. False. I I, I want to go on record now. I never slept uh, on the job. Um, I d- definitely daydreamed and was not paying attention. That happened a lot. Um, but I, I never did sleep on the job. I mean, you didn't put the chair out either, so. Yeah, I had my reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny that you you talk about the, the adventure phone and you talk about the operating manual and the rules and all that. And it does feel like, Mark, that whereas some people might feel like winging it, it does feel like you are a person that would like everybody to have the plan. Yeah, we had a a big crew team meeting prior where I tried to encourage all the folks to preload the stuff on there because I was terrified about that. And and again, the FLT can be challenging to navigate. Uh, I was nervous when my college roommate, just his complete lack of background and familiarity with this type of thing, if you don't know, like even just finding a trailhead where it intersects a road that can be very discreet. Right. So I was very nervous about that type of thing. And I mean, you're not talking about just like, hey, he likes two scoops of tailwind in his bottle, right? Like you're not, you, I mean, I'm sure you got to oh, that. Oh, listen, there was some of that. It was like I was told in the cooler he had the two bladders, the long bladders for the front pockets. And in the cooler, if you filled one with, it wasn't tailwind. What was it? Scratch. Scratch. One's filled with scratch, one's filled with water. Keep the scratch on the left and the water on the right or the other way around. I can't remember, but I got <laughs> confused and I'm sure I screwed it up. And things had to be placed in the cooler in very specific ways. And like I would put chocolate on the top, which I think you enjoyed. I did. But things did have to be very specifically placed. The, I think the, the person that caught the brunt of that was my poor college roommate. As I... He took a spoon from me at one point. It was day one. Of it, yeah, when he joined, and I couldn't find the spoon. It was a long handle spoon, and it was for eating my freeze dried meals, and I needed it because I didn't want to get my hands in there. But that was probably the worst of it. My poor little brother probably took some stuff too. Um, we don't always necessarily see eye to eye. There was an incident involving ice cream that wasn't obtained at the one place on trail that it would have been obtainable. <laughs> You can go back and get it. I'm trying really hard to know that this was a hard trail. I know, but you got your ice cream demands. You got your Casper mattress, your Airbnb. You got this guy booking hotels for you. But I know. 
I know that you had a tough go of it. I know your toesies got wet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I couldn't feel my toesies for months. <laughs> but it's it's real. It feels really bad to hear you berating your poor younger brother for not getting you ice cream. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I hope he never listens to this podcast. <laughs> Uh, it was a it was a, it was it was an eventful day. <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. He though. did get you the ice cream. He did. There was a uh, apparently someone ranting and raving about COVID and Wegmans blocking the ice cream cooler. Oh well, see that's problematic. It was, but but he went back, and all that ice cream was good, and it made a difference. I had a wonderful. Tail end of that day, I think that ice cream powered me through. All right. Well, it's all thanks to your little brother. Um, <laughs> one of my other crew members that didn't end up joining, um, he, he'd been keeping track of the progress via the inReach, and then these guys had a, a, a text thread going too. Uh, so he showed up early twice, and he had a donut the one day that I was, he's lucky I didn't take his hand off going after that donut. Oh. And he only brought one donut? Yeah. You believe that? Seems like he's the one you should be mad at, not your Sean. (laughs) Sean and one donut Sean. (laughs) One donut Sean. (laughs) I think he did make up for it by taking his shoes to a proper uh, dryer one night, didn't he? He did. He he, that was closer to home and he Everybody's making amends for not meeting your demands. Uh, again, another thing that we just had no idea it was coming or not, and it, it was unexpected. It he pays good well. rates to his crew, then, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think these guys did okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you paid him in crypto, right? Paid him well, in actually this, this cooler here. That was John's. Thank you. Wow. Well, that's solid. It's a nice cooler. Uh, Christy was very proud on trail when she was making me um, freeze dry food. Now, this is my $15 Walmart stove. It's going to take a little longer. And it works fine. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so she got a stove as a thank you. Oh, a jet boil. <laughs> nice. A jet boil. That's so you can make his food faster. Yes. That's <laughs> for when he goes uh, the other way on the trail. not be as tolerant the other direction. <laughs> yeah, I had a little tinfoil block in my wind, but it worked. I that's I have a whisper light, you know, and it's it's an MSR whisper light. It's got to be twenty years old right now, and you know, the jet boils. I, I still think they're a fad. They're a fad. <laughs> I had a freeze dried meal every evening. Uh, All right, for my first dinner, like Mountain House style. Uh, yeah, I forget the brand. It was so it, most of the time you want to eat the healthy good stuff. Oh no, I wanted the junk stuff for this. Yeah, I mean that's. So I, I would start with one of those after after the day was done. Eat that, in, so we'd fire it up before getting in the car. Uh, I'd eat that in the car on the way back to wherever accommodations were, and then I would have a, another more significant dinner there, shower, go to bed, um, and then throughout the day I had a variety of burritos. They would just feed me burritos left and right, and left and right. Hey, you were talking about um, earlier. Know, kind of the the things that you do in between seeing your crew, uh, the person you're crewing, and and one of those was in addition to like drying shoes and clothes, was making food. Um, and you know, I think everybody here has done, uh, you know, their their share of distance running, and you understand like what a hard day is like. And it would just be unreal watching how much food Mark was eating because 
you can sneak through one, two days without proper fueling, but you can't do 500, 600 miles. So just watching how much food was being consumed was eye-boggling. John uh, would wrap the burritos in tin foil, uh, which we went through a fair amount of, surprisingly, and paper towels. We went through a lot of paper towels. The, the pro move is to put the paper towel, wrap it in a paper towel, and then wrap the foil. The freak, John. Because then, then you don't get a wet burrito. Well, so there was an issue there, too. Uh, not only were the burritos wet, but they would sweat, and he was writing me little love notes on the, the tin foil with Sharpie. Well, the black would get in my hands, so I had to tell him to stop it. Stop writing me love letters. No more love, love letters. letters. Yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah. The things we learn on the trail, right? Oh, you give and you give, you know? You <laughs> give and you give. But yeah, that's the pro move is if you do the, the paper towel around the burrito first. And then, because then you got a dry burrito. And you got something to wipe your hands with afterwards. Yeah, that's brilliant. We'll definitely have to. I think we have a list somewhere of things we can improve on. So we'll <laughs> we got a list somewhere. It's right there. It's twenty-five pages. Well, things I, you can I, do I better. Think we'll just bring Chris along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't have to wait uh, six months to get the scoop. Wait a minute. What? We're not doing another thing like this, though, are we? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, it all depends what the director of marketing over here says. Well, I, somebody has a whole spreadsheet of bad ideas. That's literally the title of the document. Yeah. Mark's bad. So I don't ideas. think this is the last of Mark's weirdo things. Yeah. <laughs> weirdo. There's a there's a there's three trails that run the entire length of the country. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't. They don't appeal to me. I'm no. Not, I, like I backpacked and I camped, but I don't know. It doesn't right. excite me. Find something else then. Yeah, I, I do have ideas. Mm. There's a there's a lot of like fifty mile loops out there that and you, know, you can go do that in a day real quick. You camp out prior and drive back in a weekend. Uh, La Couche Silhouette in Ontario, it's the closest mountain range we have to Buffalo. There's wolves and there's bears and there's moose and it's just beautiful, stunning water. That's been calling me forever. I can't wait to go do that. Uh, the Chinese Wall in uh, it's part of the CDT. Uh, that really appeals to me, but that's a, a trip. Um, and then there's a handful of others. All right, so we kind of got to the, about the halfway point, right? We're somewhere around the halfway point. Before Virgil, though, I think one of the other important things that happened was... Okay, we're going backward, not at the halfway point. We're going point. backwards. <laughs> um, a kid threw a rock at me. Huh, well... <laughs> yeah, little brat... That's a, that's a whole story. The there you go. Close the show. So I tied an onion around my belt because that was the style back then. <laughs> so I did get through Virgil uh, and the trail. <laughs> All hundred miles of it, I did it. Well, <sighs> they do a lot of loops in Virgil that that go off of the main branch of the FLT, and that area of the FLT has the most loop trails that are still maintained by the FLTC. And Alex Gonzalez amazing trail he's responsible for that throughout there it was some of the best on the entire flt and then to have people there oh i was in heaven and i think that ended up being my second biggest day mileage wise and it it felt like nothing it's a big big uh hills over there Mm -hmm. yeah you must have started that first uh those first few miles going straight uphill because we're kind of at the base of of greek peak 
they all blur a little bit. I'd have to well, I, I, look I, back. I, I there were hills in there, though. I can attest that we, we were at the base that But night. it wasn't <laughs> as hilly as that is. It didn't stick out compared to the rest of the trail. The Catskills are, are certainly hilly. And then when you get down into Ellicottville and the, the Enchanted Mountains of Cattaraugus County, it's pretty hilly down there as well. So it was surprisingly hilly throughout. And I was hoping it would ease up. Right. So, Virgil, what's west of Virgil then? I think um, uh, Syracuse. Yeah, we you were south of Syracuse. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that's that right. Was it because I, I think Cortland um, mm-hmm. was kind of like the the Virgil Crest area, and then mm-hmm. uh, you came, I think, south. And then of, you go through Calkins County. Yeah, south. Mm. Of oh, we wiggled over towards Ithaca at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um. Trying to remember the trail on there. Do you run through the uh, Finger Lakes National Forest? Just yes, and actually, yeah, and Christy dropped oh, me did. off yes, outside of there the one section. day. Okay. Uh, she likes that section, I remember that. Um, you touch on the bottom side of like the Interlochen Trail where gotcha. it merges with the main branch, but you, you don't spend a whole ton of time in the, the National Forest itself. But just west of that, you come towards Seneca Lake, where after we had run Interloke and we had gone through there, and that's one of the only places you can see a Finger Lakes trail, Finger Lake on the Finger Lakes Trail. And Watkins Glen, uh, when you drop down into that, there's a Walmart right on trail. There were helicopters, there were cars all over. It was a little weird after being out in fairly remote stuff to come into such a big area like that. You know, you bring up a good point, actually. There really are no Finger Lakes on the Finger Lakes Trail. It runs just south of the Finger Lakes. Yeah. You can see, is it Canandaigua from Bristol Hills? I know there's a second Finger Lakes. You can sure. Finger Lake, you can see somewhere I mean, one of the branch in, trails. In, yeah, I was going to say, in, in defense, well, and you leave the trail, you go on a branch trail, and it's all lake, right? You so, Cuca when you're coming down towards uh, where Twisted Branch is. That's a branch trail, though, right? I don't know if you can see it from on the main branch there. I don't think you can. No, I'm pretty sure Seneca and then is the only one from the main branch. Dang. Just weird. Interesting little... Yeah, do we have to it, rename the trail? Well, so I need to do a better job of marketing and we misnamed the trail. I, no, I think... I mean, I know about the trail, so your marketing obviously worked on me. Right? Yeah. I mean... The, the trail is very unknown, though, uh, and I think that confusion that you speak to, because it's not really throughout the Finger Lakes themselves, might be some of that. Well, and if you think about the the bustling metropolises you've been discussing, right, like it's not like the Finger Lakes Trail runs through Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, and Albany, you know, so... Even when you're, even when you talk about the Adirondack Mountains, right? Like what gets used, the high peaks get used. Why? Because well, seventy three runs up there, and they all got really popular names, right? And you got Placid, and you got Saranac. You know, that's that. So like, like we say the same thing about Northville Placid Trail, right? Like, well, there's Northville and there's Placid, and in between, well, <laughs> you know, have fun in Pasico. Like, <laughs> yeah, the reason I know those two towns from that race. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, there are parts of New York that are fairly remote and 
the Finger Lakes Trail is definitely remote. Uh, right. Again, if I saw a dozen people outside of those pop, more popular areas, I'd be surprised. And that's and, not uncommon. And that's kind of what people want, though. You know, if it if it was super popular, then you'd be like, oh, the Finger Lakes Trail, everybody goes there. Yeah, so the Finger Lakes Trail, the tagline is a primitive footpath. Is that correct? Yes. And it is very much that. It is. But half of the Finger Lakes Trail is on private land. Right. So that's the other part of it, is yes. that some of the more popular areas are in the state parks and in DEC lands. But uh, half of it is in between those spaces on private land. Right. And so you're walking through somebody's personal little forest in parts right. or through their cow pasture. Or their driveway. Or their driveway. Um, so it's a very different kind of trail that's... Yeah. And uh, the a lot of the trail closes uh, for spring and fall hunting seasons. Right. So timing-wise, I squeezed this in as late in the year as I could, where I could be trained, where I could I work at a university, where I could fit it around the semester start, but still before the hunting closures came into play. Right. Uh, that was a big factor in that. And you know weather. I mean, you picked the fall, you got some rain, but temperatures, uh, right? temperatures did not break until literally the day we drove out there. I was terrified. I don't do well in the heat, and it was brutal. It was, uh, I was at Virgil. Um, did not see you, of course. Uh, but I was at Virgil, and it was a pretty darn nice day. It was a beautiful was day. A like, did you run it? I did not. I, I yeah, I wandered around a whole bunch. I ran up the mountain, ran down the mountain. I did a little bit of timing just to help for a few minutes and did some clapping, you know. It's a beautiful day. Standard stuff. Yeah, it was. It was really great. Yeah. So, uh, we're at Virgil. It's pretty great. I mean, we're, you know, we're cooking here now. Uh, so, okay, now you're leaving the the heaven that is uh greek peak and your cozy mattress uh your buddy nate he made it through his days of crewing he did and uh, i think he actually really enjoyed it it was he was just able to he was able to focus on that and forget other things uh and i think he was sad to go um so after nate um, must have been my brother Chris. No, well, you had you had. Uh, oh, it was you were I took over from Nate. Ah, yes. And by then, Nate was taking it very seriously, and he was, <laughs> as he was describing what I needed to do and how things needed to be. It was all like John said this, John said this, John just John said this. This is the way it has to be. I said, okay. It's like I don't want you to be treated like I was treated. <laughs> Well, he lost the spoon. And then he pulled out the spoon and he told me the whole story about how he had lost the spoon. I said, okay, I'll put it in a special place and I went to take it from him and he wouldn't let me touch it <laughs> because he was very protective of the spoon at that point. So uh, I mentioned the thank yous these two got. Uh, Nate got an engraved spoon as part of his thank you. <laughs> My buddy got us those as part of like groomman's, groomsman's gift, like a titanium spork with our names all on them. Well, that's what he lost on me was the titanium spork. Yeah. Mm. So then you you were uh, with him for a couple of days, right? I think three days, the two nights, both at your mm -hmm. dad's house. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you were just hanging out at the cabin in Seneca Lake, and you're like, 
think I got to go for a 10-mile run. I might as well see where Mark is. No, I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and he, he told me, you know, you have, we have to be up and out the door at 5, like, I can't remember if it was 5.30 or 5.15, but I had hit snooze one day, and he's at my door. Are you coming? <laughs> like, yes, you know, now that I think about that, you ate some of my ice cream there, too, that day. That night? Yeah. I thought we were all sharing. <laughs> we weren't. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I thought it was cheering, so yeah, sorry. I've apologized. I, I'm glad I did this before he ever asked me to crew him. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! No, Christy came out a lot on trail too. She was she's several times. Um, you you'd mentioned I think if, after all this was done, how um, you know. If, things that would have been nicer earlier on was like having people come out on trail to see you a little bit more. And after I, I ran, he, he'd mentioned that when I was running and I told the, the crew through the text thing, if anybody can get out and just do a few miles, uh, it, that's a lot of time to spend alone on the trail. Yeah. And, you know, and I've read a lot of stories about other people doing distance runs like that for the most part. Like they, they generally have some people that meet them up someplace, even if it's not full days for some parts. And, up until I was running with you, nobody else did. That was a long time to be running by yourself. Yeah, Virgil was the only time I had people woods. Yeah. to talk to. Yeah. <sighs> Fellow like you alone with his thoughts that, that long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay. So you survived your two days at the lake house despite eating the ice cream. Despite eating the ice cream. All right. So let's talk a little bit about running on this supposed running podcast um when you're out there and you're doing your thing and you got your shoes and you got your food and your nutrition are you doing your standard things like eat every 45 minutes are you you know um doing like runner race things or are you slipping sort of into like backpacking hiking mode where you're just like pressing for long periods it was both uh, the pace was definitely not a 50k pace uh, much slower than that. Any help that was walked. Um, I ate a lot more. Uh, I still did eat some of the sugar garbage, but it was very, very small compared to a race. Uh, most of the stuff was solid, real foods. Like so many burritos. We talked about the burritos. I mean, this was every between every meat meeting spot. I would make two burritos. And he would take them. It was just constant all day. Every time he'd stop at the car, he'd pick up a burrito almost every single time. Yeah, I would. A lot of times I would grab two. I'd walk yeah. out eating one, and the other one would be in the vest and get eaten not that much after there. It seemed to work, though. I'd never. I was a little worried. What's my stomach going to do after however many days of this? But that was fortunately never an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. And John said you were running. You were springy and spry. So did you have any uh, running injuries over the course of the time? Early on, maybe day two, three, uh, there was some minor chafing like in my thighs, which really surprised me that early on, and especially since I'd had all of my gear tested. I was very familiar with it. Um, so I just avoided those shorts for the rest of the time. Um, beyond that, I was very fortunate. I had no blisters, 
whatsoever, even with feet wet for the majority of every day. I did chip a tooth. I don't know how that happened. I didn't tell these guys while I was out there. What were we going to do about it? There was no point in telling anyone. Um, but the injury-wise, my feet hurt from like day two and three on, just from slapping, slapping, slapping. I had one pair of hokas that I... I called them my closer shoes. I would put them on at the end of the day. I wish I had three pairs of hokas. I'm not a hoka fan, but boy, were they nice to have the cushion. So aside from the slapping and the soreness in the bottom of my feet, which I just dealt with, uh, there, the, nothing serious really happened until the very end. Uh, two days out, my shins just, they were screaming. Uh, really bad shin sprints, splints. Um, and then the last day, I thought I tore something, not once, but twice. Very acute, sharp shooting pains. I could barely walk afterwards. Uh, the first time it happened, eventually eased out of it. I was hobbling along in my poles for miles. Um, but even like the second day out from the finish when it happened, I could have crawled 70 miles in was the thought in my head. It's just seven, two days, 70 miles, whatever. The absurdity of that statement. <laughs> but this, the second time on the very last day that it went, I thought I would trash something bad. And I accepted that a long time ago, that I might do something stupid to myself. But at that point, there's no not finishing. Uh, I had to walk several miles very gingerly. My uh, my buddy Jake was crewing for me then. I, I knew... I was going slow when he could drive around to the next one, walk in, and then walk out with me without him losing any time. Um, but other than that, there was one day where I got bit by a yellow jacket. It was, it was on my elbow. I said, oh, big deal. You don't really use the elbow to run a whole time. And then a half an hour later, one got me on the ankle. And you do use the ankle to run a lot. And that one itched for days and swelled up real good. But those were probably the worst of the uh, the injuries. That's not too bad. Oh, and the, oh, I did have, they call it Christmas toe. Are you familiar with that? Never got a toe for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were deprived. Yeah. Uh, through hikers often refer to it as that because you through hike during the summer and the fall. And by the time Christmas comes around, it's when the numbness in your toes goes away. This might have been like January toe. Um, so I, I did have tingling and numbness in the toe for months, which I've had after 100 milers too. Yeah. That's not too bad. Uh, either of you two come away with any injuries? <laughs> I, I think I came away relatively unscathed. Um, I think uh, mostly it was pride, um, I would say. Yeah. The pride injuries, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the you can't see the emotional scars. <laughs> yeah, it's all right though. We we that's why we have friends, you know. All right, so now we're we're still leaving Greek Peak. Is there anything of note there? Did you start to feel like you're at home? You know, now you're around the Rochester FLT, like. No, not yet. None we're, of that we're really. Still we're in foreign territory at this point. Yeah. And we still had a long ways to go. This was so not in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So when I left Mark, he was at about the halfway point, but that's when he had officially completed his end end. He had completed the entire trail at that point. Christy was supposed to leave the the meetup point right prior to that, and then when we realized, hey, I'll become an end and ender at the, the next stop, she hung around and, and got me up for the next one. It was cool to have someone from the FLTC there. Is that because you've done the other end previously? Yeah. So uh, the A plan was to get through the entire trail. The B plan was to get at least that far. And I don't think there was a C. And when you got at least that far, you were still going strong. It was raining, though. It was, and then it rained more. <laughs> so, so that that was, uh, you said, like the near Bristol Hills, like yeah, Triad Trail? The tri- yeah, trail. Right. Bath area so we're, there. We're, yeah, we're in Bath, Canada, Cuca. Uh, and that's that's when we hit where a lot of the listeners here will be familiar with from the Twisted Branch and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd done that section when I ran Twisted Branch, and then just weeks prior when Christy ran Tris- Twisted Branch, I was her pacer through there. So it was familiar, but it was light out, which was different, and I was going the opposite direction. Uh, and my brother, we stopped at the at the Banya Aid Station. Um, and boy, did the skies just absolutely open up there. Oh my gosh, it poured. And then the lightning rolled in. So going uh, across the street and back through the grapes, the smell was unreal. Fall grapes are just awesome. I was in heaven there. But I paused when I got to that house next to the grapes because I was scared to go through that field with the lightning. Eventually, I had to go. So I went through there, and the climb up, I just got pounded by rain. It was probably the heaviest that I got. <laughs> and you, were you feeling good about it, though? Were you feeling like whatevs? Or was this a demoralizing, like, face-melting rain? It was demoralizing, face-melting rain. Uh, yeah, I was pretty ooh. miserable. My I just hunkered down my head into my shoulders, and it was cold. Um, ooh. And, that, and that's a heck of a climb to go up that way, too. I'd never done that. I had been looking forward to seeing Mitchellville Gorge in the daytime. It's apparently a really pretty area when you can it's see the, things. It is the prettiest. It's the part that made me fall in love with that trail. They had cut trees, though, from after Twisted Branch until I went through. I was a little surprised at all the downed trees through there. Huh. But, yeah, but that they, surprises me too. I wonder. I mean, a fair amount of them too. The trees still go through, no problem. But yeah, it doesn't seem like. I mean, they're definitely not logging trees. Maybe they're just. I don't know. A lot of hemlock. Yeah. Got some tables to be made. You know, got to make tables. All right. So, so that's a little bit of a like. You know, it, it's unfortunate because you could have had like a real spirit raising kind of day there. You know, been like, oh, this Twisted Branch, it's awesome. But you know, the 2019 Twisted Branch was a little moist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was a little bit wet in 2019. So, I mean, it's like it would have brought you back memories of that, you know. All right. Uh, what next then? Where where do you go? Like what happens in, in between these areas where you're like, oh, this is a big important thing. And then you're like, are you like, I got to get to the next big important thing? Or are you just kind of like, 
we, next mile in front of me. Figured those out every time we'd meet up. It was just take a quick peek at the elevation profile, and then I'd get an idea at the distance trail-wise and what the profile was. So we figured that out each each meetup, uh, and all we did was look at one meetup at a time. But once we got to that area and, and hit the Twisted Branch course, that was all territory that I was familiar with. So I had an idea of what was coming, um, and that section there that was immediately after that is what I had done the day after Twisted Branch. Um, and west of where Twisted Branch hits the, the main trail, it's really cool. Yeah. It's well worth checking out. Uh, there's some a very pretty view not too far from there. I really like that section. Yeah, and uh, there was another section before that. If I, I was reading um, Darby State Forest, Darby Lake. Was that one that you were a little... Uh, Dan, is there a Danby? There's Danby State Forest. There's, yeah, because there's Danby Down Dirty raised from yeah. the... Right. So that's... I was thinking... I was just... Because I, you know, I had read some of your stuff earlier this morning, and I thought you had said that you really liked that area as well. Oh, really no. Like this, like that, the both this we got to talk about trail run in heaven. <laughs> so, so we are... Are we going... Home. We're going back we're again? We're going back. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. uh, All right. This was quite a bit back, actually, over towards De Reuter. Um, so the trail kind of comes out of part of the Catskills and then goes north and then curves and eventually ends up coming back down. But in there... The Otselic River, I think is how you pronounce it. Just east of that, uh, I had another storm, go figure. And it was hailing on me at this point, which was awesome. Really enjoyed that. Uh, luckily, the hail let up. Then it was more freezing cold, like pounding rain, like the good stuff. Uh, so I was miserable again at that point, but it broke. And I ended up on this short section, literally above the Otselic, very steep drop-off, and the sun was just pounding through this like heavy fog, and there were these sun rays coming through. Oh, I didn't want to come down. <laughs> By far, my favorite section in the entire FLT. And it probably only existed for 10 minutes. I was just going to say, it's not there anymore. No, just, just the way the conditions fell. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and none of us will ever get to run it. It was there just for you. But if you put in a 600 mile run, you're bound to have something like that. You're bound to get a few <laughs> miles. The odds are there. It suddenly becomes 600 now. It was it was 480 ish. <laughs> well, the sweet is never sweet without the sour, right? <laughs> wow. Um, all right. So. Let's uh let's keep on. I mean, if you would have ran the trail this way, you'd still be out there. <laughs> you'd get all the way to Syracuse and turn around and go back. <laughs> oh, it's funny, but that's I mean that's how that's how things are, right? One thing brings something else up in your mind and brings up another thing, right? And like when I think about like some of my runs, I remember I was like, oh, I'm doing this, doing this. Oh yeah, but remember back there we did this other thing and you know you you bounce around that way that's the way it happens it'd be really boring if we just went day i mean day by day we could just read your write-ups that's you know but uh, if anyone is interested in those however they're um they are published in two places i run the buffalo trail and ultra runners instagram account 
Uh, I'd like to think there's some pretty pictures there. Uh, Instagram was not a good medium for capturing this though with the limitations on text. The other place though where they are good to read is in the Finger Lakes Trail Hikers and Friends, and Friends Facebook group. Um, and if you search for my name in there, you'll find them on a day-by-day -day basis. I have pictures that are captioned and then a, a summary of each day. Um, and then Chris has read through some of these here. So he's been talking. And, you know, it's in, even when you're, you're talking about the time in the Catskills, it was challenging and difficult and wet feet and rainy. And a lot of this, I keep hearing you say, I was so miserable. But throughout, if you, Mark went back and then re, you know, sort of retraced the whole story, telling the story through Facebook and on his Instagram account. And each day there are these beautiful pictures. So each day he stopped and took, captured something special about the trail and something special that he saw along the way. So while he may have felt a little bit miserable, somewhere in there he was still very much enjoying himself and was like capturing like really taking these moments yeah taking the time now i haven't hung out with mark a ton definitely not as much as you two but it's the same way hanging out with him right like you know you gotta find the special moments because most of the time like <laughs> <laughs> no see it's uh again we joke we joke but no, you can't do this type of thing unless somewhere you love it, right? Like, you can't do this and be like, <laughs> boy, this really sucks. I hate this whole thing, you know, like, and get through it. Like, you can't. And for any of us that do, have, do distance runs, like, yeah. there are, when you look back, you can see equal parts of what sucked and what was beautiful. And usually it's our, like, euphoric recall that makes us want to do it again. Yeah. That it's that it's uh, you know that memory like if you remembered all the painful things in your life those are yeah. those beautiful moments are much fewer than the painful moments yes usually. yeah the, the the training so I had a uh, I heard uh, Nathan Huckle as a coach I'd never had a coach but this is a little bit out there and know I'd act to train for this stupid thing and one of the things he had focused on with me is, is gratitude throughout it. Um, and so every day I kept a journal and recorded several things that I, I was uh, grateful for. Um, and there, there's the one day you know, after Christy and I went out to Manitou's and we talked FLT the entire way out there and back. It was just like, I was very thankful for everything that was involved with it and everything Christy does for the trail and everything the rest of the members of the FLT do. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes there that doesn't get attention. Um, people don't know the names of the folks involved there. There's a lot just to keep a, a trail going through the woods. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, well, and, you know, some of that which we were mentioning, Twisted Branch, like just maintaining the relationships with the landowners as the properties overturn and, you know, somebody sells their property and a new landowner has different ideas about the trail. And, that's that's a whole organization in itself, you know. So yeah, and uh, when Huckle was on the podcast, that was the number one thing we came away from from that podcast was just being grateful about being able to run, you know, like the gratitude. That's I think the title of the episode was like growth and guidance, you know, like that's just his gig, you know. So 
so you had this coach and he's uh, he coached you up and he got you so far i think we might be 300 miles in <laughs> we might be somewhere around there about 1200 the way we've been calculating <laughs> <laughs> where exactly did you leave mark at the triad trail right uh, at, at, right the, the, okay the, that's the, right. the point where he officially finished the end yeah. end and then you are done. You are out. And I went home. Deuces. She came back. Though. I did come Twice. back. I think I came back that weekend and ran just for a couple miles. Yeah. And did you, when you, after you left on the other side of Greek Peak, you ended up coming back at some point again, right? Yeah, I think I came back twice. Yeah. Um, there's a, I think, uh, Chris, you. Chris came after me. I yeah. passed off to Chris. And then. Mark's brother. Right, and Chris, uh, we we could talk about those days, but I think uh, just to kind of give an overview, after Chris left, he had to leave, I think, a day before, or there's going to be like a, a window, like a six-hour window before your next crew would come in, so I I came in for kind of that time, because the, the logistics of, you know, Mark and, Mark's fine without crew for six hours, but his gear isn't. You know, we had an entire car full of gear, so I came back, and I think I put in just just that like little window um i think so and then you we ended up at a campground literally on the trail and right, i think a, you spent the night there or? yeah it was, a, it was a cabin that was a really nice place um but where were those few days with chris they were i guess east of that um a lot of the middle of nowhere <laughs> like so much in the trail I remember one of the more remarkable sections there. I came up behind the car at one point and realized Chris had no brake lights on his car. Not the type of problem I needed to be dealing with. No, that's the thing you just walk away from. Uh, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't turn into an issue. Uh, and we did have to drive through areas where we could have had an issue with the police, but... Um, we got through that. Uh, we must have went through Hornell with Chris too, and that's a um, more popular area. That's what the Wegmans is, and the ice cream incident occurred. <laughs> One of them. A lot of ice cream incidents. I well, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm lactose intolerant, so there's very few places where there's even a remote option of having a dairy-free ice cream, and that was the only one that I knew of. Uh, and that Ben, the Ben and Jerry's almond milk uh, cookie. PB and cookies, man, that is well the best ice cream. Uh, you're gonna hate me when I or not believe it. I'm gonna catch flack for this. I don't like peanut butter. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Whatever. You probably don't like stuff in your ice cream either. Oh no. Mm. Just it, not peanut it's, butter. It's good stuff. The uh Colin Kaepernick was that was real good. I enjoyed that. That's Cookie the one dough. I hate. <laughs> <laughs> it is really good. Yeah. My new favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I like that peanut butter and cookies one. So good. Mm. Mm. All right. Ice cream. We got to Hornell with my little brother. Um, and then John came back. This is Hardwood Haven was the, the campground. And, but east of there it was <laughs> brutal. It had been a, a, a reroute, I think, due to some logging. And just full of thorns over your head growth probably the worst section on the entire FLT yeah uh, I've heard that from other folks too it, that was not fun uh, eventually dropped down through the campground it was probably only a couple hundred feet from the cabin uh, that was kind of neat um, 
and, and the trail gets up towards the road there. And I remember there must have been 50 dump truck loads of dirt between the road and the trail. And just, you got to be kidding me. That was the only place that I almost fell the entire trail. So I didn't fall once running wow. the whole trail. It was kind of crazy. Except for climbing over piles of dirt. Almost. 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 Came close. Where was the really great cabin? So just north of Ellicottville, Ellicottville Maples Road, there is a landowner and an end to ender uh, who is kind enough to offer his cabin uh, up for people doing the trail. Very for anyone doing the trail. Yeah, it's very. If you, what if you're just doing the trail with like within the three miles of his cabin? <laughs> He'd probably be happy to have you. He he, he does have a, uh, a second home near it, but. I, the cabin is it's primitive cabin but there's a, a beautiful outhouse little pond right there it's maybe 500 feet from the trail uh and wow it was that was that was the very last night i slept there um but making arrangements with him i, I said i don't know when i'm gonna be rolling through <laughs> he says well call me when you have an idea said, yeah okay you're like uh you're kind of <laughs> If this is like the fluctuating line, you're at the end of that fluctuating line. <laughs> but that's that's really neat that it was just open then there for you, you know? Yeah. There's another cabin along the trail, too. Um, gosh, I guess it would be, must be east of Hornell, but Bosar's cabin. Uh, it's it's just off the chase. You can't see it, but apparently it's literally on the edge of a, a cow pasture. And the cows will walk up to you. Sometimes the mice greet you too, from what I gather. Um, but it's also offered available to hikers. Very cool. So let's uh, let's bring this home. Uh, you had a, a big ribbon at the end of the trail, right? There was an arch with balloons. Oh, that's yeah, totally. An announcer. People were clapping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the western terminus of the Finger Lakes Trail is uh, on the New York Pennsylvania border which is 1.1 miles into the woods from, uh, I think it's Route 346 in, in PA. Uh, there is a older sign there, and there's an ammo box that used to say FLT on it, but it's pretty discreet today. Um, Got to get that new hot, hot new FLT logo on it. Hey, listen, we're working on a grant. There's going to be a, a beautiful... <laughs> a, bigger, a bigger ammo sign. box installed this summer we've got plans sketched out i'm not even joking we a really bigger oh, there's a box. total setup for her yes. yeah it's yeah. coming so it, up to that i had been suffering quite a bit we we covered that i think 600 miles ago at the finish right and uh i'm pretty much limping in but i had the gps track on my watch and i was kind of counting down five miles four miles and then I get about a mile and a half left, and I'm mentally preparing myself for this. And all of a sudden, boom, there's the end. What the heck? How did this happen? And then I finally figured it out. There had been some discrepancies over the where the Western Terminus is located on various FLT sources. And I thought I had them corrected. It got corrected in some places, but not the GPX file that was feeding my watch. So... It was very abruptly ended. All of a sudden, boom, there's the end. So I didn't know how to process it. 
some people would be like, oh, right, I'm done. (laughs) That wasn't my reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and was anybody there at the finish with you? Christy was there. She had come in from the very you got to deal with this. Well, I had run in. And yeah, so you got to handle whatever his yes, reaction and, is and, about and to be. And we were approaching the terminus, and like I, I'm like I've been paying attention to like what things, like very specifically paying attention to what things look like. So when we were coming back, I would know when it was coming. And I said, I think it's coming soon. And he said it's in a mile and a half. And I went, I don't think so. And then within a minute, there it was. And yeah, he didn't. He he wasn't happy about that. <laughs> but I tried to make him. Happy. I was like, you did it! You know, high five and. <laughs> Tried to do a little self, took some pictures, and yeah, it was very. He just, I still so lot to take in. Uh, yeah, and it, do it something just, like that, and it, I think that it was very abruptly ended, unexpectedly, and I really struggle with that still. Uh, and it, it's just, it's really hard for some reason. <laughs> Well, if you go west to east, you'll know where the terminus is that way. Yep. So you got, I mean, got that. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, so it ends. Now, a lot of people, when when they run their first marathon or they run their first ultra, you get into that, like, oh, there it is, it's over, right? You get into those kind of like blues, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you get like, uh, do you think that's some of what this is? Or is it really that you literally feel like you were robbed of a half a mile somewhere at the end? I'm sure it's a combination of both. And you are hitting a point of on ahead. You have no idea. It's been so. You imagine that dark after, or just the lull of the, the. lack of anything after a big run boy you got to magnify that times a thousand for this that's what i mean like it it might have even if it was a half mile longer and it and it lasted longer than you thought you might still be in the same you know yeah those are two separate things yeah but but putting the end aside there's definitely been a major funk afterwards um I really struggle with it a lot. I've been surprised. It was posted here or there on Facebook, Instagram, but very few people have even said anything to me about this. (laughs) And it really makes me question, was this anything special? That's been really tough. Of the percentage of people that know what it is, right? Yes. You know, but and I'm I'm focusing on the negative here. I, what I really struggle with is even the, some of the folks that would have some idea, even they haven't said anything. Hmm. That's been tough. Well, you were you were found out at Virgil. People knew about it, and you didn't expect anybody to know about it. So, yes, I mean, you know, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing because. <sighs> I don't know. I think I think that's uh, this is like a deep topic that always pops up in, especially when we're talking about ultras. Is like, what are you doing it for, right? And sometimes if you're doing it for yourself, 
it's like, well, did I get out of it what I wanted? Sometimes you're doing this race to have the experience and maybe you didn't get the experience that year that everybody told you happened last year. Or maybe you're, maybe you're doing it for the likes and you don't get enough likes, you know, like it's a, it's a, there's, there's so many weird, weird ways to think about like, why was this even really a thing, you know? And so you, you only take from it what you can take from it. You got that big pink binder. Big, I mean, John, name, big pink. John got this, John got this awesome cooler. It was worth it for him. <laughs> Actually, John sent me a Christmas card after and it's in congratulations. You ran the finger lakes jail and all you got was this stupid Christmas card. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's gotta be, you know, it's not like the, I mean, the figure likes trail we've talked about is, is not a well-known trail. It's not a well-known trail for people even through hiking. Uh, most, most of the people who complete end-to-end hikes, the finger likes trail do it in sections. It takes some people 10 years, five years, a long time. And they might do this section and then go back and do a different section and they're hopping all around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not known for being a through hiking trail. Well, it's not like the, it's when you say, I, oh, I ran the Appalachian Trail, people, whoa, they know what that is. You say I ran the Finger Lakes Trail, people are like, well, I know the Finger Lakes Trail. It runs in my backyard. They don't know. Yeah, did you run from winery to winery? <laughs> you know, like everybody sort of knows their little section of the Finger Lakes Trail. But I think mm-hmm. that, you know, we're still trying to educate about that it's, what it's connected to and what the, yeah. the length and the breadth of it is. Well, you know, now we're just going to blow the doors off it now with this podcast. Yeah. like. <laughs> So. Especially how, you know, Mark ranted and raved about how great some of the sections were. They are great. All of it's great. <laughs> <laughs> if you All go, of it is what it is. There are parts that are difficult, and you've got to love those parts that are difficult because you did them. You know what I think is interesting about the Finger Lakes Trails? It both starts and ends, like, at a mountain. Like, it doesn't start at road level. You have to hike in to get to either the start or the end. That's what I was going to say when he said it's 1.1 miles into the woods. I was like, well, you got a 1.1 mi- bonus walk out. So what are you complaining <laughs> about that, it ended early? did that 1.1 bonus walk out, there were hot dogs. There were hot dogs, yes, there were. John yeah. it had brought Mark's mother and... Which I had no idea. Uh, not only did he arrange my mother to get there, but she, he got her flowers. Yeah, And they had this whole spread set up on the back of a truck with brownies and i don't even know what else there was a lot of food there his, his mom brought um brought you brownies and I, she brought something else i forgot what it was kind of cookies or something she, i mean she i ate it all she's like mark really likes these i was like oh, i'll take your word for it you know them better than anybody else <laughs> i ate all of it didn't matter what it was as long as there wasn't any peanut butter in it so these guys it didn't stop there though what they did for me that the terminus is I don't know, hour 15 from my house. So I, my car showed up again. I was happy to see it. It was clean, too. Didn't you clean it? Oh, oh yeah. John cleaned the car, too. Had it washed. Oh, oh no, no, no. Uh, I don't know if I explained this fully to you. Um, I, I like did a wash in detail here, and my driveway, I think, for the rest of the summer just had layers of mud on it um there was so much mud that came off that car like in the wheel wells i don't understand i've never seen that much mud uh and i paid the price for that for a long time well you did say you nearly lost it 
Yeah, it's the least I could do. <laughs> well, I mean, in the mud. <laughs> you nearly lost that's, it. That's true, but that, that was early on. But that mud stayed on, man. That's sticky mud out there in the Catskills. It is. So the, the car showed up again. John had driven it in from Rochester, and Christy had driven in from Rochester. Uh, they caravaned me back to my place, and, and not only did they drop me off, but they had food for me because my fridge had been empty for three weeks out of, on the trail. Uh, it's just unreal. Did they record your screams as you took that shower? <laughs> oh, we left before that. Okay. Wow. So, uh, but in the end, like, you're still sort of looking for, like, well, what was it? Yeah. Well, it was September 2021, so you can't even say, like, oh, it was deep in COVID, because, you know, but, I mean, you did a I, thing. So I didn't end up utilizing all my crew members one of them caught covid mm. i would have had a real issue <laughs> yeah that was oof. um but you did a big thing like that's kind of you know sometimes the the joy is in the doing right <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm working on that yeah oh it's 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 many months later i'm yeah very much still processing this and reactions to it well it's it's really interesting because i had sent you after i saw some of your uh instagram posts and i'm as i'm famous for being terrible at social media i'm just and i don't like it and so i'm not good at it and i'm not on it i don't do it and so but i saw this and i was like oh i know that guy he wrote a lot of words here about something i should read it so i read it and i was like whoa he ran a lot of and I, so I sent you a message and I was like, hey, we should uh, talk about this. And you were like, sure. And then that was like the end. I, I probably was a little more verbose and polite than that. No, I think I think it was it because I said we should talk about it. And I think you said, sure. I think that was that. But no, because the point was like, I'm like, OK, I'm sure he's working through all this stuff. And I was like, if he wants to, he, we did this before. He knows how to get a hold of me. And then nothing happened. And I was like, yeah, well, whatever, you know. And then one day you're like, we should schedule this. Well, what had happened in there is I, I had some email server issues. <laughs> so the first message that I sent to you never got there. And then I'm wondering why the heck hasn't Chris got back to me? Huh. Not realizing it hadn't been delivered. I'd emailed my knee surgeon. I have two ACLs and an LCL fixed and I'm like, eh, maybe he's interested in here. Never heard anything back from him. And that fed into the, why doesn't anyone care? <laughs> maybe everybody is trying to reach out to you. You're just undeliverable. Those issues have been resolved. Um, and then once I did reach out, we eventually got around to it. Yeah, but it, but that's I think that's part of, like you said, it's several months later, you're still working through it. Maybe this is, you know, it's part of it. Yeah, it was good to do this. Yeah, I think so. We got to rearrange all John's furniture. I brought up the ice cream, though. It's really <laughs> kind of dropping me in. <laughs> it was shared ice cream. I forgot about the ice cream. <laughs> there were like three pints floating around. Remember the spoon, too? Remember the spoon? <laughs> and the campground that thought it was on the trail? But hail, yeah. Which hail? <laughs> I do remember, um, I think it was my second time with you, uh, you... We met at the top of a mountain on a DEC road, much much more tame because we're not in the Catskills, and it was like raining the whole way up, and and uh, you came out of the woods and you just had 
this huge grin on your face. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, I would not want to be out in this rain. Like, it was, it was a hard rain. And then um, we chatted for a bit. And then you continued on, and, like, the rain stopped, the sun came out. I'm at the top of this mountain on this, like, remote dirt road that's a dead end that, you know, nobody in all likelihood would ever go up on, on accident. Um, and I just, I had a little meal there. Uh, I cooked myself a little meal, and it was probably the best meal I had, like, those whole two weeks. Because you're just, like, in the sun, in the rain, and in nature, and no one's around. So I think uh, you, you had a lot of moments like that where where you see things that like probably nobody else on this planet is ever going to see uh, in those moments that are so rare, like you have to be in the middle of it, in the middle of nowhere to see all that stuff and experience it. And you put so much of that into just two weeks. Like it's, it can take people a lifetime to make uh, those things happen for them. Yeah, there's a lot of trail out there. It's almost 600 miles. It's a lot of miles and that that could be a lot of it when you pack all of that in you know serotonin overload you know and you and you were you were by yourself for so much of it Uh, so prepping for the podcast i went back and read the daily write-ups that i had done i'm so glad i wrote those when i did they were tough to write back then and of course i went and looked at every gps track name and inserted road crossings and you know very detailed stuff but i'm glad i have all that um, there are a lot of photos. I've shared the highlights album with you. Uh, there's a lot of pretty photos out there, though. If you were to look at those, it's, they don't they don't capture the ugly well to begin with, because ugly doesn't translate in photos a lot of the time. Uh, most of my photos translate ugly pretty well. <laughs> I, I, I take a lot of pride in the photos, and there's a lot of pretty ones out there, um, and they end up in a lot of places for the FLTC, and hopefully they'll go places there was one that early on you were talking about you you stopped to take a picture of some flower and you were aggravated because it made you end up waiting for a train oh uh rosa <laughs> sharon in bainbridge yes <laughs> and bainbridge was a mess that that day because yeah was, so yeah under construction it was under construction this stupid train cuts me off and it's just absolutely crawling so i'm just and I've read other enders have been blocked by this stupid train. And then you get through that, they're repaving the section. So it's just the sun's baking down. It smells like hot vomit out there. And there's a massive dump truck parked right in front of the trailhead. So I blew past that the first time. And the funny part was you're like, and the picture turned out terrible anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that bad. But I, I do remember commenting on that. Yeah, there's a. I stopped at one point at the very end. I'm like 560 miles in, and there's horses on the side. So I went to pet them. Yeah, beautiful photo of this one horse. And then the sucker bit me. <laughs> the horse bit you? The horse bit me. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Blazing Saddles, but when Mongo knocked that horse out, <laughs> that almost happened. <laughs> How long was the trail again? <laughs> 600 miles. <laughs> I, thought you record, I thought you recorded 595. That's what I have noted yeah. somewhere. So I think 595 total with the deviations, yes. which I, I would hope that we could round it up to six. For this. Uh-huh. Um, there was, so it, again, like 584 is the number that you hear quoted a lot. 586 is in some places. Some older stuff still is 560. 
because the eastern terminus of the trail used to be shy of where it is currently. Uh, it was moved to the summit of Slide Mountain, which is the highest peak in the Cascades, not too many years ago. But overall, it's you call it 584, give or take. Uh, it I, moves. It actually moves all the time because of yeah. reroute. Because it's shy. And <laughs> there was I I calculated about 97,000 feet of climbing. So if you come break, on, yep, it adds up. And if you break that down on a daily basis, it was a little bit over 37 miles a day with uh, a little bit over 6,000 feet of climbing every day. That's something. How'd you, you just, your watch make it through each day and then you just charge it each night and you're good to go most days? Yes. Um, and the watch is probably the most critical piece of gear I had. Uh, and you have a Phoenix 6? Six? 6 Pro, yeah. I didn't use the music from it. I had it coming from my phone when I listened to music. But uh, it, with the GPX tracks loading it on into it, I had an idea of every hill that was coming up. Duration of the hill, it would break it down individual ones. It would tell me how much climbing was left for that map or the GPX file. Uh, turns, when they were coming up, I would get advance notice of that. Uh, if I got off trail, it would chirp at me. And it was so much more convenient than dealing with the map. I did have a Venza as a backup. If I referenced it five times the whole trail, I would have been surprised. And with it being so critical, uh, I also had John's. He has uh, 6X and a 6 Pro as backups uh, with all the stuff preloaded on it there too, just in case. Yeah, we, that being like the most critical thing, I mean, that, that is your lifeline when you're out there. So we, we want to make sure that we had... Had an extra. Fortunately, I don't think you needed to, to use... Not once. Yeah. Yeah, not a single technical issue with the watch. Actually, no, I think we didn't have any issues with the apps other than the one road that I shouldn't have gone up. Um, I think technology-wise, like, I mean, we we work in the tech industry, and there's yeah. you see things go wrong and sideways, and the wheels come off all the time. The times that we needed it, everything was, uh, I would say, A-OK. Yeah, everyone had Google Docs offline versions, or, or should have, anyways, of all the time. They were given the opportunity to have them. <laughs> Which is where that... You had the adventure phone, Christy. The it's adventure okay. phone, whatever everything preloaded fun. became real important. Yeah. Plus, there's a really good camera on that phone. I didn't use the camera. But you'd love it even more. You don't find a lot of photos of me out there. I tend to be camera shy, and you wouldn't even known I run that Buffalo Trail and Ultra Runners account until I tagged my name with it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when we did the first conversation, um, you really didn't really even want to, like, talk all that much at first, you know? You were like, what? And I was like, come on. But here you are, 600 miles later. <laughs> it's only 580. Oh, I'm now so. <laughs> ish. <laughs> Got pretty deep there at the end. But, you know, that's what happens with these kind of adventures. And uh, while I can't quite relate to the 589-ish mile Ultra Blues, there have definitely been some times when I've had the Ultra Blues. Uh, however, I do think having friends and community events to celebrate and chat about things helps a lot. You know, um, 
you run your ultras and then you go to group runs afterwards, you run your marathon and you just, you have people and events and you get to share and you sort of get to digest it a little bit. And, uh, you know, that hasn't been happening for many of us for the last uh, couple of years. Um, so, you know, if you see Mark around or if this episode grabbed you in some way, drop him a line either at his uh, Buffalo Trail and Ultra Runners account on Instagram or, you know, send the note to me and I'll send it right along to him. Or, you know, hey, another thing, uh, send me your Ultra Blues story. What super huge, awesome thing that you did uh, are you just dying to share with somebody? Or maybe you're, you know, you weren't so super happy about it at the time. Uh, you were sort of like, Ugh, huh, that's done. Uh, but now you're super happy about it. I'd appreciate if a few of you wanted to share those stories with me. I'm, as you know, I'm always into these stories. So, yeah, send them off to me at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com. Love to get them. Uh, there are some links in the show notes, as I mentioned. Um, again, not a ton, but some good stuff. The uh, County Hike Series, pretty neat. Um, you know, the FLTC page. And, uh, again, thank you to all of this month's Patreon supporters. Your continued financial support helps me keep improving this podcast. You may notice that I'm working on the wireless microphone deal. Well, um, it's getting better. Uh, so now we got some equipment to quickly hook folks up and get uh, spontaneous podcasts. So it's very exciting. Uh, so that financial support helps me continue to keep improving this podcast. So I see you. Thank you. Uh, you are responsible for all of this. <laughs> no, I won't hold you responsible for any of this. It's all, it's all my fault. Um, but if you look forward to this podcast each week and it inspires, educates, or entertains you regularly, consider becoming a supporter. Check out the homepage, runninginsideoutpodcast.com, and click the Patreon banner. Or find a link in the show notes inside the very podcast player you are listening to. Uh, please know that any amount of support is appreciated. Thank you. And uh, I got a new thing. Uh, if you made it this far in this podcast, you uh, might be a fan of the show. You might even be wondering, like, why isn't Chris better at social media? Why doesn't he have X or Y or Z? If you're into that stuff, if you're really good at social media or images or YouTube or anything like that, and you have ideas, uh, send those along to me too, please. I'm always interested in comments and feedback. And, uh, you know, if you've got some ideas, share them with me, especially if you want to help implement said ideas. Uh, so drop me a line, Chris at running inside com, and let me know your thoughts. Thank you all for listening, subscribing and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories until next episode. Be thankful for what you've been given. Be proud of what you've achieved and let go of what you've lost. See you out there. <laughs>